Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Crucified with Christ, it means that I have died to the interest in what I alone have decided to do that I want to do today. I am crucified with Christ means that I'm just not interested in what I alone want to do. I'm crucified with Christ means that I have died to the life of being separated from God for my lifetime and for my daily decisions. I've died to that life. I used to be alive to that life, but when I was saved, I became crucified with Christ. I died to that life. I'm not interested in it. And then Galatians 2.20 goes on to say, nevertheless, I live. I am crucified with Christ, but I live. I live. So in other words, when it says, nevertheless, I live, it means that I am interested in what I do in my lifetime. Nevertheless, I live means that I am interested in what I do today. Nevertheless, I live means that I'm not passive about this when it comes to ambitions for accomplishments. Nevertheless, I live means that I do have purposes, I do have goals, I do have hopes, I do have dreams, but when it says in Galatians 2.20, yet not I but Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I but Christ liveth in me, means that my ambitions do not come from me. My ambitions are the ambitions of the Lord Jesus Christ, who's living inside of me. When it says, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, it means that my purposes in life, my goals, my hopes, my dreams did not come from me, but my purposes and my goals and my hopes and my dreams, those are the purposes, those are the goals, those are the hopes, those are the dreams of the Lord Jesus Christ who is living in me. See, when it says, not I, but Christ liveth in me, it means that I do not formulate my ambitions and my purposes and my goals and my hopes and my dreams alone. I don't do that. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me means that I get so close to Christ and appreciate him living in me so much that what happens is a transformation where that his ambitions, his purposes, his goals, his hopes, his dreams, they become mine. They become mine, as it says in Philippians 2.13. It's God which worketh in you. See, Christ liveth in me. It's God which worketh in you, both to will. That's will. Now we're talking about ambitions and purposes and goals and hopes and dreams. Both to will 
and to do. Now we're talking about sufficiency to accomplish those purposes and goals and ambitions and hopes and dreams. See, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Philippians 2.13, it's God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. But then Galatians 2.20 goes on to say, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. A life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That means that my new life is now a reflection of his life being lived through me. Whose life? The one who loved me and gave himself for me. Why does he put that at the end there? The one who loved me and gave himself for me. To give us the motivation to turn our lives over to him to tell us that you couldn't have a person who cares more for you than the one who loved you and gave himself for you. Therefore, do this. That's why he said in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice. Now, that was a transition. This whole thing we're talking about now, the Galatians 2.20 is a transition. It's a transition of what Moses was going through. He was going from not Galatians 2.20 to Galatians 2.20. It was a Galatians 2.20 transition. And so when God said to Moses in verse 12, certainly I will be with thee, he was saying to Moses, taking up residence. And that's according to Galatians 2.20 when he says, Christ liveth in me, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, Galatians 2.20. That's what God was saying to Moses, certainly I will be with thee, I will be in thee, Christ liveth in me. He was saying to Moses, I will live in you. And so therefore, Moses, you can say I am dead to my own aloneness apart from God in as far as in devising my goals for life and so forth. You see, I am crucified with Christ. Moses can say, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Certainly I will be with thee. In the life that I now live, I live in the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is all coming now to Moses. It's all happening. And the statement, I will be with thee, it's the beginning. It's the beginning for Moses to die to his self-life. I am crucified with Christ. What we study here with happening here with Moses is what God wants to have happen with us because this is when God says to each one of us, he says to us, I want to present to you the life that wins. The life that wins. What's the life that wins? It's Galatians 2.20. That's the life that wins. And so as God is presenting this to Moses with the certainly I will be with thee, God is presenting it to us, to both Moses and us. And he's saying, Moses, this will be the life that wins for you. He's saying the same thing to us in Galatians 2.20. This is the life that will be the life that wins for you. I am, you must die to your self-life. In Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Moses, certainly I will be with thee. You must live a new life now. Galatians 2.20, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And so for Moses, the statement, certainly I be with you, this is the beginning. Here we go, Moses. It's a great thing that's gonna happen. You're gonna live a new life. It's gonna be a reflection of God who is taking up residence in you, with you, in you. The life which I now live, I live in the flesh. Which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The statement in verse 12, certainly I'll be with thee, was just the beginning of this Galatians 2.20 life for Moses. Wonderful. 
Then notice how it says there in verse 12 that God said, and he said, certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. So now God is in the giving the token uh, business here. He says, this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the children, the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. So here, what God is telling Moses is that there would be, he needed to understand that God was now giving to him a token, a token. The token was a promise. It was a promise, and the promise was that on the place where you are, something's gonna happen. You're gonna bring all these people out here, you're gonna serve me on this mountain. Now, he used the word token. Token's a very interesting word. It's a Hebrew word for ot, it means ot, which is, it means token, it also means sign. That word ot was first used in the creation account in Genesis 1.14, where it says, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide, the day from the night, and let them be for signs, and for seasons, and for days, and for years. So the, that word was first used in conjunction with the creation of the lights in the sky. What are the lights in the sky? The sun, and the moon, and the stars. And there were three purposes which God had for creating the lights of the sky. He says, number one, they are to divide the day from the night. So what did God do? He creates the sun, he creates the moon. What does it do? It divides the day from the night. And in that way, we can keep track of days. Like Moses said, and Moses went on, and he says it's very important to keep track of days. Moses actually wrote one psalm in the Psalm 90, and he said in verse 12, it's really a prayer. Psalm 90 is a prayer. It's a prayer of Moses, and in that prayer, Moses prays in verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Now, we don't like to think of our own mortality. That's troublesome. We think, oh, someone else is gonna die. So now I'm not even gonna die. And when then when we get a little older like me, and then people, your friends start dying, and then that's troublesome. So Moses says, Moses writes in Psalm 90, so he prays to God, God, help us. Help us to consider our own mortality. As a matter of fact, he says, God, help teach us to actually number our days. Why do we number our days? Teach us to count down the number of our days. You know, I got so many days left, and you count them. Now, none of us know how long we're gonna live. Some of us say, oh, you know, my, everybody, my family, we have longevity genes, and so we live a long time. Everybody in my family lives over 100. Well, one thing's for sure, nobody, you're not gonna live more than 125. But based on the average life, we could say based on the average life for man, we should say, okay, on average, I should live this amount, or maybe your family lives longer, so whatever. So you say it's this number or it's that number, then Moses says, he says, now, whatever number you choose, use it as a countdown. And every day, cross off another day. See, that's teach us to number our days. Why? Because it will apply our hearts to doing wise things. Now, what's a wise thing? To serve God, to realize that the opportunities that we have today are, may not be here tomorrow to realize, to get into the mentality of the Lord Jesus Christ when he said, I must work the works of him that sent me. Why did he say, I must work the works of him that sent me? Because he realized that he didn't have unlimited time. You know, in Japan, where everything runs on perfect clockwork, I mean, 
trains come at the right time. And, when, and I was taught that when you go to a meeting that you arrive there 15, 20 minutes early, you go have your coffee break. And then because when you go knock on the door of you, the person you're having a meeting with, you never knock on the door more than three minutes before, that's rude, and you never knock on the door more than one minute after you're supposed to. To emphasize this, they have a phrase which they always use in Japan, and the phrase is, time is limited. Time is limited. We have to go. Time is limited. Time is limited. Well, God wants us to be in that mode for our lives and realize time is limited. Time is limited. That's what Moses was saying when he said, Lord, teach us to number our days. He was saying, teach us to understand time is limited. Time is limited. It's because, that's why the Lord Jesus Christ said, I must work the works of him that sent me because in his mind, he was thinking time is limited. Time is limited. And so that was the, we understand days because of the sun and the moon and God gave them to us. But he has a second purpose. God has a second purpose that he had for creating the lights in the sky. And that's our word here. That's the word oath. That's the word token. That's the word sign. That's what he says to Moses here, that he would give him this token. And that was in order to, for us to figure out the months and the years. And in that way, we can figure out the seasons, when we should plant, when we should harvest, and also very, very important with God so that we would have a way to celebrate the holidays that God, he taught the Jewish people to celebrate the holidays that he gave them, the times of Passover and the times of Yom Kippur and the Rosh Hashanah and so forth. Those were assembly times when the people of Israel were to come together before God and to remember what he did to him, to worship what he did for them, worship him because of who he is and what he's done, those are holidays, those are festivals. And so the signs that he gave in order that, we, that they could do that were the lights in the sky. The lights in the sky, they tell us, not only they, they tell us where's north, where's south, where's east and so forth, the sun sets in the west, and the lights in the sky make it possible to navigate through the seas. But the principle, the principle is this. The principle of the lights in the sky is that we look at them and as we look at them, we understand a meaning. We get a meaning from them. That's signs. So God told Moses that he was to take note from the fact that where he was at that time, saying to God, who am I? And then he, God says, all right, now take note of this fact that you were here and that you were saying this because what's gonna happen is that you will go to Pharaoh you will bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, and as a matter of fact, you will bring them, the millions of them, right to this place, right to this mountain, where I am now speaking with you, Moses, and so I want you to take special note of the fact of what's happening today, and when it does happen that you bring them all there, I want you to remember that. See, it's gonna be a sign. It's like looking in the sky for a sign, and in fact, Moses at that point could have taken a signpost and driven it in the ground and say, okay, God, I'll drive a signpost right here. I'll drive a stake, I'll drive a signpost, whatever, and I'll drive it right in the ground in this very spot and I'll write on there, God promised that I would bring Israel out of Egypt and that I would be right here in the future with all Israel, all millions of them with me and we would be serving God. 
And then when all Israel stands here with me in this place and we're serving God and we see this sign, then I'll know that I really was sent by God. See, that's what he said. This is going to be a token. He says uh, in verse 12, certainly I'll be with thee and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. What is the token? The token is I have sent thee, I have sent thee. Because Moses, there seems to be a question here about who you are, and the real issue is not who you are, it's who is sending you. And so I want you to really remember, because you're gonna need to remember, that I have sent you, that's so valuable for you, Moses, that I'm giving you this token now, that when all these people come back here and you look at all these people, that you should look at them, just like you're looking up the stars and you're figuring out north and west, and you should look at these people and you should say, oh, they're all here. And this is a token, this is a sign to me that they're all here, that God really did send me. And that is absolutely vital, the sending of God. So God knew this, that God knew, Moses, you're gonna go through some really hard times. You're gonna be tried. The trial is going to be along the lines of, did God really send you, Moses? Did God really send you? I mean, God knew what Moses was gonna have to go through. He knew how much trouble was waiting for Moses down the road. And he knew that Moses was gonna go through so much trouble, Moses was gonna doubt his own name, much less that God had sent him. And so God knew that Moses was gonna be challenged for the decisions that Moses made. And God knew that the times were coming for Moses when even his own brother, Aaron, and his own sister, Miriam, they were gonna challenge Moses because of the decision that he made to marry a black woman, a black Ethiopian woman. Moses made the decision, a black Ethiopian woman. That was not gonna set well with Aaron and Miriam, his brother and sister. As we read in Numbers 12:1, and Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So even the decision on who he's gonna marry, in this case a black woman, is gonna be called into challenge. And so God knew that Moses was gonna face hard times when he would be provoked in his life to anger. And Moses was prone to lose his temper, and he did lose his temper. He lost his temper at the rock. When God brought the people there, they were all thirsty, they were all complaining, they were all accusing Moses of having brought them out there to kill them. And God says, okay, in the first rock that we came to, this, this actually happens twice, so in the first rock we came to, Moses, he says, strike the rock, and Moses did that, and the water came out of the rock. Now it comes the second time, and by the way, that was symbolic of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God being crucified, being struck by the stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, as the wording is in Isaiah 53. It pleased the Lord to bruise him in Isaiah 53. So he struck the rock and that was symbolic that from the cross came out all these blessings and from an unlikely rock, when it was struck, just as the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified, great blessings came out of the rock of the water, great blessings came to us, salvation, adoption, and being a child of God, friendship with God, and that was a symbolism behind the first time when the people were thirsty. People were thirsty and they needed water. We are thirsty, we need salvation and friendship with God. But the second time when he came to the rock, Moses was instructed to just speak to the rock, just speak to the rock. And again, that's symbolic of the Lord Jesus Christ saying, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
He was just speak to the rock as he told to do. But Moses was angry. He was provoked in the spirit. He had had it. He lost his temper. And so what he did is he struck the rock the second time. He never should have done that. He dishonored God. He dishonored the Lord Jesus Christ. He did not hold to what God had told him to hold to. He was just supposed to speak to the rock. And that was terrible tragedy for Moses. And because of that, he was not allowed to fulfill and accomplish his life goal of bringing the people into the land of Canaan. It was very, very sad. Even though he spoke to the Lord several times to let him do it, God finally had to tell him, don't speak to me anymore about this, Moses. It was a great tragedy. But anyway, this was a time when Moses was under attack. And so this was a time when Moses was going to need to fall back and to realize that God was with him. But now, in this time when Moses was there alone with God on the side of the mountain, this is a wonderful time for Moses because this is a time when when Moses is calm and Moses is not under attack. And this is a time when Moses is all alone with God and Moses could clearly hear what God is saying to him. And this is a time when Moses clearly knew that God was sending him. And God knew that Moses needed to use this time when he's at peace, when he's not being provoked, he's all alone with God, and he's getting built up, he's getting strengthened, he's getting prepared for what's ahead. And God knew that Moses needed to take this time and to drive a stake in the ground, a post in the ground that read, remember when you were at this place alone with God, You were talking with God. You were trusting God. You were understanding that God had sent you and God told you that you were gonna stand at this place with millions of Jewish people there. You need to memorialize this time, Moses. You need to memorialize the time when God made this promise to you so that you'll be encouraged and you'll have something, when you stop, you'll need to stop every day of your life as you go forward and you need to look back at these times of where you were. And you're not just a forgotten shepherd on the backside of a desert here, but you're gonna look back and you're gonna see where you were and where God brought you from, and you're gonna see that when you become God's deliverer of the Jewish people, you're gonna realize that God brought you and God sent you. Now, that shows us the value that God puts on stopping and looking back, on having these tokens, on having these signs, because it made all the difference between being discouraged and being encouraged. And you know, when we are calm before God, let's say in our morning quiet time, We spend time alone with God, and it's a wonderful time, and we're reading the Bible, we're breathing in the air here of heaven, and we just, nothing is troubling us, and we're just receiving from God, and we're getting this special verse, this special thought is coming to us, that one. God says, that's the time when you need to take the tokens from God, the signs from God. Maybe write in your Bible just a little date, that says on this date, this verse just came alive and I understood like I never understood before the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. I understood like I never did before how much saved me from, what I was cleansed from, what he's done in my life. And you just write down a little date or you have a little book and you write that down and you record that, why? Because of what he said to Moses. He said, this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. So when those happen in our lives and and we really feel that that moment, we sense the presence of God, 
and we really feel that God has spoken to us from this verse, we write that verse down so that we can have just a little token on that date, a token that God has sent us, that God is with us. And those become very, very important because those are our look back points, our look back. That's a very, very important word, turn back or look back. And we see this especially as we look at the lives of some very, very special people, and that we'll cover in our, in our next lesson together. Let's pray. Father, help us to understand that, Lord, that you are the one who loved us and cared for us more than anyone else, and encourage us today, Lord, as we've seen this with Moses, to be able to turn our lives over to you and to go forward in and appreciate being in partnership with God in life to do the business of God. Thank you for hearing us in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.